All right. Little interaction here. What's, what's one word that comes to your mind when you think of your favorite pizza? Shout it out. Yummy. Supreme, is that what you said? Right on. We had pineapple in the first service. So how many like pineapple on their pizza? I love that. Pineapple and jalapeno rocks. Sorry. To each his own. How about, um, what's one word that comes to mind when you hear Pastor Mark Bullion? They were, I heard blessing. So, (laughs) children, that's true. Um, What's one word that comes to mind when you hear the word snow? Ew. Somebody just goes, ew. (laughs) Total ew. Yucky. I'm with you. How about Christmas? When you hear the word Christmas, what do you, one word? Jesus, the the holy crowd. Good. We are holy this morning. It's about Jesus. I was going to say that to you. You stole my thunder. I appreciate it. What's, I don't need any more participation on this one. What's one word that describes God? What's one word that describes Jesus? What's one word that describes the gospel? What's one word that describes your church providing food trucks for you? Love, right? God is love. For God so loved, gave. Um, And Jesus tells us love is what authenticates our faith. Love is what authenticates our discipleship unto him. To get the most out of what God wants to do this morning, we have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves the question, because what we're going to talk about is what should be our highest goal in life? What should we be shooting for, so to speak? What's our highest goal? And you got to be honest, is, is your highest goal really pursuing to becoming a more loving person, or is it success, comfort, achievement, popularity, comfort? I mean, whatever it is, we have to be honest and say to Lord, just put your light on my heart so that I can make pursuing to be in a loving, more loving person my highest goal. That's what, all, that's what he wants for all of us. That's Jesus' will for each one of us is, is to learn to love like he loved. He told his disciples after he washed their feet and served them, he said, as I have loved you, you're to love one another. So we know that that's the center of his will. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14, he says, let all you do be done in love. How do you do that? We live in a ticked off world. People are mad. These things make people mad and irritable. We're divided. It's divisive. It's It's crazy. But we're supposed to do, as his followers, all things in love. Love that difficult person in your life. And that's what we're going to want to do over the next several weeks. I felt led to, to, that we were to unpack 1 Corinthians 13 and just that one word, love. And that I would grow, you would grow, we would grow together to be people who reflect God's love. And the more you know you're loved by the Father, the more loving person you'll become. People who don't know they're loved by God, 
have a hard time loving, have a hard time being patient and overlooking other people. So I think it's important to establish a foundation moving forward of the truth about love. What, what really is love? Because we live in a society that falls in love with falling in love because we think love is a feeling. We think, we think love is, is uh, you know, we say things like, I fell in love or I fell out of love. What really is the truth about love? The first thing is love is a choice, not a feeling. You've heard me stress that before. Love is not a feeling, it's, it's a choice. And I think this is a game changer in marriage, friendship, family, that when you realize that it's a choice, not a feeling. If you're relying upon feelings to be a loving person, you're going to struggle because feelings come and go. I don't think we can be reminded enough. I can't be reminded enough that, that love is, is it's not a feeling. It's a choice. We choose to love. First John, the apostle says, my dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. The word practice means we haven't arrived. None of us has, you know, got to the mountaintop of love and arrived with our degree in love or certification in love. It's all some, a lifelong process of becoming that person. Now, the word faithfulness, for example, is a Faithfulness is an extension of love. It's an extension of a loving heart. Faithfulness is doing the right thing when we're supposed to do it at the right time. Faithfulness is doing what we're supposed to do. Faithfulness does not require feelings. We have to remember that. Being faithful to what God's asked you to do is, does not require feelings. Forgiveness doesn't require feelings. We we often think that forgiveness has to line up with my feelings, then I can forgive. That's not true. Forgiveness is something that you do in your heart and mind and in decision and choice for somebody. Somebody offends you, somebody hurts you. You can forgive without them even coming to you and, and, and apologizing. You can forgive somebody that didn't, didn't even know that they, they hurt you. Forgive, reconciliation is when somebody hurts somebody, offends them, and then they come together, will you forgive me, and acknowledge the, the offense, and then the, the offended person says, yes, I forgive you. That's reconciliation. But it doesn't take feelings to forgive. So important. Love is, is doing what's best for someone. Love always pursues what's best for somebody. And that doesn't require feelings. It's a choice. All right, the second thing is love is a verb. Remember this truth. Love is a verb. Any DC talk remember love is a verb? Good. First service, I was alone and felt, felt, felt proud that I was the only one that knew DC talk. A verb is an action. It's, love is something we do. It's not something we feel. Love is something that we do. And the... the, the heart of this series is going to be out of the verses 4 through 8 in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, 
but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstances. Love never fails, never gives up. Man, that's important to remember. In getting the most out of what God wants to do in your heart over the next several weeks, um, practice the, the, the discipline, so to speak, of as you meditate on this passage, you can put in there, God is patient, God is kind, God is not jealous or boastful. You'll understand that God is love, and when we describe what love is like, we'll get a better picture of him and know how much he loves us and cares for us. Also, put your name in there. Scott is patient. Maybe. <laughs> Try to be kind. You know what I mean? And as you put your own name in that passage, the Spirit will, will illuminate to you what He wants to work on in your life, that, that your, your heart is the garden of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to work and produce fruit in your life. And so let's trust God. And as we say, Lord, I want to make pursuing a life of love my highest goal. Watch what he'll do in our world. Watch what he'll do in your world and the world around us. We lack love. There is a lack of love in our world right now. Like never before in my lifetime, that's for sure. I'm sure for most of us. Love makes life better for others. That's what love does. It makes life better for others. The third truth about love is love remains. Love is the one thing that remains. Love is the one thing that lasts forever. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Whatever you and I accomplish in life, whatever we acquire the stuff, the things in life, whatever we, we, we achieve is ultimately going to have an expiration date on it. But what lasts beyond and echoes into eternity is the things that we do in love and the people that we love, the people that we bear with, the people that we're patient with, the people that we forgive. That goes into eternity. In 1 Corinthians 3, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, this isn't on your notes, but if, you, if you're taking notes, it's 1 Corinthians 3, um, 11 through 15. He says, for no person can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any person builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day, and the day is the day we stand before Jesus Christ, not the judgment seat, but, but when Jesus is going to reward us on our faithfulness, reward us for how we lived our life. And Jesus promises rewards. He promises to reward us for our faithfulness, that even when no one's looking. And he truly knows the motivations of our actions. And it's, he says the day will, will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. If any person, person's work, which they have, have built on, and it remains, they will receive a reward. If any person's work is burned up, they will suffer loss, 
but they themselves will be saved, yet so as so through fire. That's what that means, is that, that our life counts. Your life matters. At our last men's get-together that we had a couple weeks ago, oh, Phil Diaz said, you know, just make a difference every day in somebody's life. That's love. That's love in action. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Our God is the perfect relationship. Father, Son, and Spirit. An eternal relationship of other-centered love between Jesus and the Father through the Holy Spirit. And we cannot emphasize remind ourselves enough of that, that relationship God created and shares that with his creation, and he shares that with us. Jesus' mission was to bring us back into that relationship with the Father, not just a relationship like he has, but the relationship between the Father and the Son. How many know the Father and the Son have a perfect relationship? It's a perfect, loving, eternal relationship Jesus told us he's brought us into that relationship. It's beautiful, beautiful to meditate on. And that's what we're learning to become and learning to live through, not trying to become loving, but learning how to let it come from our very being of who God has recreated us to be in Christ. So I'm going to continue just unpacking the first three verses of of 1 Corinthians 13 uh, this morning as a as a foundation for the, the weeks to come. And Paul does this thing where he talks about without love, he's nothing. And he gives descriptions of various things. And so without love, all that you and I say is ineffective. If my words are not coming from love, then they're ineffective. He says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It's like trying to tell somebody truth while I was sitting up here banging pots and pans the whole time I'm talking. You'd be like, uh, I can't hear you. It's, it'd be ineffective communication. We can quote Bible scriptures, true Bible verses to people and not be loving. We can use the Bible to shame people. We can use the Bible to try to manipulate people. We can use the Bible to try to, you know, make people do what we want them to do. We're not to do that. That's not a loving way to speak to somebody's life. In the the book, The Shack, and in the movie, The Shack, um, the star of the the story is a guy named McKenzie. And he's flashing back to his childhood. And in his his childhood, he had an abusive father who would get drunk and then abuse him and his mom. And it was bad. He was afraid and had a horrible time with his, with his dad. And there's a scene in the story where he goes to church. His dad was like an elder at the church and, you know, outwardly acted like a Christian, but behind closed doors was abusive. And so one day at church, he comes forward to talk to the pastor, and he tells the pastor that my dad drinks and abuses my mom, 
And so, obviously, the pastor goes and uh, talks to his dad, and the, the next scene fast-forwards to his dad having him outside while it's raining on a whipping post, and he's just whipping him, and he just says, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. That's ineffective without love, taking, trying to take the word of God and justify yourself in that kind of situation. So Paul tells us to speak the truth in love. Jesus was the ma- is the master of speaking the truth in love. He is the truth. You notice when you read in the Gospels that Jesus, he would cut right to somebody's heart. He would cut right into their life. And he always did it in love. That's why people flock to Jesus. That's why broken people like myself, sinners, come to Jesus. We're broken. The Pharisees, he spoke the truth to in love, but they couldn't hear it. Jesus told them, you don't have the love of God in you. You don't have the word of God abiding in you. They had created their own religion and framework in which they were trying to to follow what they thought was God, but it was their own creation. And Jesus is saying, you can't see me in this framework. Jesus is the one that is the way, the truth, and the life, and that shows us how much God loves us. Many people have stopped going to church or turned away from the faith because somebody spoke truth in a judgmental, critical way, not in a loving way. So all people hear in that is judgment and criticism. Jesus doesn't do that, so none of us should either. And I know we've all made mistakes in this area, but that's the the good thing about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's always tilling the garden of our heart and and taking the darkness of our mind away and become, you know, people who love like he does. I think it's important to say that Facebook in love, okay? Do your social media in love. If you're going to post something on Facebook or any social media thing, ask yourself the question, am I doing this from a heart of love? Because if you're, not do- if you're doing it to show your peace, your perspective, change somebody's mind or show your agenda, what good is that going to do? Has anyone ever been Facebooked into the kingdom of God? Has anyone ever been argued into the kingdom of God? It's just not, it's not the place for, for any of that. In our relationships, our marriages, our families, our church, our friendships, let's speak the truth in love. Without love, second thing is that all that I know is incomplete. All that I know is incomplete. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. You can have a doctorate degree, you can be a genius, you can be a theologian who knows the Bible back and forth and all of this and that, and if you don't have love, you're just a jerk theologian or a jerk genius or a a jerk with a doctorate degree. It's just the truth. Paul says that, that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So when we get knowledge and we think we got things figured out, that makes us proud. But he says love builds up. Love builds others up. 
We all know smart people who know things at a higher level than we do about subjects or life or whatever. And that can bring about pride in people. They can tend to look down on somebody because they know everything. They're, they're packed with knowledge. A right heart trumps a right head any day of the week. It, 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 is, it is better to have a right heart than to have a head, head full of, of knowledge. There was a guy lived years ago named Karl Barth, famous theologian, wrote stacks and stacks and volumes of theology and commentary, and just like mo most people see him as like one of the greatest theologians ever. And towards the end of his life, somebody came to him, they asked him a question, and they said, how would you summarize all these works, these volumes of theology? And his answer was, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He had all this lofty, lofty insight, but that's what it boiled down to. That's a humble heart, in, in my opinion. Our world is full of knowledge. We have information galore. We have cars that can drive themselves. We can call each other from around the world and see each other's faces on our phones. I mean, this was like when I was a kid, that was the Jetsons, right? And, and that seems like such, you know, a far off reality, and yet here we are. I'm not that old. <laughs> and in that short period of time, you guys know what the Jetsons are, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. Meet George Jetson. What was his wife's name? Jane, his wife. You want me to keep going? Moving right along? Okay. Didn't want didn't to lose you there. All of our knowledge that we have, and yet we still haven't solved mankind's core problems. All that information, people still get depressed, mental illness, there's still hunger in the world. All this info, knowledge puffs up, loves, love builds up. The third thing, without love, all that I believe is insufficient. All that I believe is insufficient. If I have such faith that could move mountains, but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. You can have mountain-moving faith, and I believe in God, and this, and if you don't have love, it's still nothing. It doesn't amount to, to anything. There's, a, I think, a misconception that, that in order to follow Jesus, you know, i got to have all the, the right beliefs, all the right doctrine. And I agree, the beliefs are obviously important and good doctrine, right doctrine is important. But even the demons believe. Even the demons know about Jesus. The Apostle Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Jesus, that, on that same time when he said that, that uh, as I have loved you, go love one another, he says, the world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. How we treat one another, how we care for one another is, is uh, authentication to our, our faith. What we say we believe should always translate into what we do and, and into action. And trust me, I am preaching to me first and foremost. If you get something out of it, great. I'm preaching to me to grow in this area of love as well. So without love, all that I give is insignificant. 
Because if I don't do it from a loving heart, it's going to be insignificant. At, at the, uh, he says, if I gave everything I have to the poor, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, if you give to the poor, they're gaining something, and that's a good thing. But when it comes to the reward from a right heart that Jesus promises in the life to come, we're missing out. So why, why would he have gained nothing? Well, because we can give from a selfish motive. We can give to look good. We can give, you know, for prestige. We can give out of uh, guilt. We can give out of, you know, some sort of obligation. And those things, he says, aren't going to amount to anything for us. I read a story um, about this Englishman who created this company and he became very, very, very wealthy. And with his wealth, he became quite the partier. Fast cars, lots of drinking, et cetera, et cetera. And he got in an accident, a car wreck one, one day, and it, the accident put him in a coma for several weeks. And when he got out of the coma, he gave his life to Jesus. And he became a Jesus follower. And he sold his company... He sold his mansion, he sold all of his cars, and he moved to Uganda in Africa. And he moved into a, 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 an area where he, he created this charity, this thing that provided money and, and jobs and education. He just trans, used all his wealth to transform a community. He lived in a little mud hut and, and went from living in a mansion to a mud hut. He truly gave all that he had, and that's from a, from, from a right heart. Instead of being insignificant, his generosity was very significant and impactful. The last one is this. Without love, all that I accomplish is inadequate. The Apostle Paul was, when he wrote this, there was time of great persecution on the church. Um, Nero, Emperor Nero... Christians were, would not bow their knee to, and call him God. Nero wanted to be called God. He, he, they thought of themselves as gods. And the Christians were, would not do that. They had king, we have King Jesus. And so he burned Rome one time and blamed the Christians and got persecution. He, they used to use Christians as human torches to light the roads. And that's real, Our brothers and sisters went through that early church well, Paul is having this in mind when he makes this next statement. He says, if I sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Even martyrdom without love, he says, gains nothing. That's crazy. And, and we worry about some of the things that we tend to worry about in, in our world. I want to ask you a question, don't need to answer out loud, but where in life do you have regret? Where do you look back and go, man, wish I would have done that different? And if it, if it comes surfaces in your heart and mind that I wish I would have loved that person better, I wish I would have spent more time with that person, and there's regret revolving around relationships, then I think that's a good thing. 
And, and, and it's never too late until it's too late, right? You can always still become a loving, more loving person. You can't obviously make up time, but whatever time you have, you can pursue being loving. I think there's a, another type of regret that's not necessarily motiv- motivated by love. It's the regret of, man, I wish I would have taken this job so that I had a different lifestyle today. Wish I would have gone to college, then I could have been rich, or I could have done this or that. That kind of regret, I think, exposes a motive that's, that's not necessarily from love, but more from self. Like, I could, have, I could have bettered my life. I'm not saying don't do those things. Please don't hear that. It's, I'm talking about regrets and why we, why we get them. Because at the end of the day, at the end, all that's going to matter is how we loved Our accomplishments, our degrees, our cars, our homes, or whatever, it's not going to, that's not what's going to last. It's it's what we did in love. Did we do our calling? Did we do our jobs? Did we live in our neighborhoods in love? And listen, we're all imperfect in this. We all, God's working inside all of us. But a life minus love, man, it, uh, regardless of what we do, is we're missing the mark. Sometimes people will say to me, well, Scott, you're a pastor, so you have a lot of influence on people. And it's true. But if I don't do this in love, I've missed the whole thing, Anybody, anything that we do. So whatever we do in, in your calling and what God's, who he's called you to be, it's got to be wrapped in love. And so this is kind of the Big picture, moving into that little piece of learning how, to, how God helps us to be patient and kind and so forth. We'll continue next week. What I want to challenge you with is um, memorization of Scripture is one of the best things you can do. Susie memorized and shared with us a couple weeks ago how she memorized Psalm 119. That's 176 verses takes her about 25 minutes to, to do it. But, man, and she said, hey, if, in, if she can do it, anybody can do it. And I've practiced memorizing Scripture all my life. It's so good for you to, to have your heart saturated with truth. And so what my challenge is, if you have your phone and you have the Novation app, pull out your phone if you have the Novation app. If you haven't downloaded it, download it or just write down what I'm saying. But... In the app, if you open up to digital church resources, and then you go to scripture memory, um, it'll pull it up for you, two options. During this next few weeks together, memorize all of 1 Corinthians 13. That's just 13 verses. So that might sound daunting to you, but you know, on your way to, to work, your drive time or whatever, before you go to bed, memorize 1 Corinthians 13. And then if you want a little smaller option in bold four through eight is the the chunk that we're going to be going through over the next several weeks. So take the challenge. All right. I can't wait to hear what God does, um, you know, for you through this. If you have kids, um, offer them a reward for memorizing verses. I, I taught my kids from day one to memorize verses. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It, it, was, it, was, it was good. 
And so my point in all of this is watch God saturate your heart. Um, the enemy is going to tell you, ah, you're good. You don't need to do that or you can't do that. Take it. Run with it. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. We thank you for relationship with you. We thank you for your heart. We want to be people who make pursuing a life of love our highest goal. Holy Spirit, I pray for a stirring inside of us, a quickening when we're not acting in love towards people, a quickening when, Lord, when we, a quickening to, to ask for forgiveness or to acknowledge. Thank you for being so patient with us, so kind. We love you, Father. Help each one of us to know how much we are loved. And from that, Lord, we draw life and the ability to love. In Jesus' name, amen.